Tonight we, we take our sixth installment of Simply the Savior. And we live in a day and a time and in an age that says there are many ways to find God. We live in a day and a time and an age when in fact the world is seeking to be tolerant the wrong way. And tonight we come to the most exclusive statement made in the entire Bible. A statement that in and of itself, on its plain value, excludes every other world religion, every cult, Darwinian evolution, every way that claims to be another way apart from the way is not the way. The world hates that. The world wants every way to be the way. Even our government pushes, demands. If you travel, if you happen to get an invite to the White House, or if you get an invite to Congress, or if you have to go uh, to, a, to an event, and you go to any of the federal government offices in Washington, D.C., and you're asked to pray, they will ask you for your prayer written out in advance. And you can pray just about anything. You can pray to the moon. You can pray to the stars. You can pray to the trees. You can pray to Wally the Wonder Beaver. You can pray to anyone and anything about anything as long as it's pseudo-respectful. But you cannot pray in the name of Jesus Christ. You won't be allowed to do it. And yet his name is the only name. There is no other name under heaven whereby men may be saved. And like it or not, that is the truth. And so very many people hear this verse and they just say, well, that's just too exclusive for me. There's only one Savior. There's only one who's defeated death. God only has one Son. He is the only begotten Son of God the Father. He's not one of many. He isn't the likeness. He isn't the Christ ideal. Jesus Christ, as is declared in our passage tonight, John 14, verse 6, and Jesus speaking to them, speaking to the disciples, those who, in ear, who are in earshot, makes the most exclusive statement ever made by anyone about religion. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
Now, if he had made one of those statements, if he'd simply said, I am the way, perhaps you could have missed his point. If he had simply said, I am the truth, perhaps you could have missed his point. But when he threw in, I am the life, and then he follows it with, no one comes to the Father except through me. He made himself one of one way, one of one truth, and one of one life. Would you pray with me? Father, we commit this time now into your hands. Lord, perhaps there is someone here tonight that doesn't believe what I just said. And Lord, I would ask from heaven that you would convince them that it's not I who said it. It was you, Jesus. And indeed, you are the only way. You are the only truth. And you are the only life. And no one comes to the Father except through you. And so, Lord, we give you tonight, speak to us, make us bold with our faith. Lord, we need this truth to be preached with our lives. Our co-workers are perishing because we haven't told them about Jesus. Our families are perishing because we have not told them about the only way. Lord, people that we meet in the store are going to hell because we've not told them there's only one way to heaven and his name is Jesus. The truth abides in you, Lord. You are the truth. You're not just the embodiment of it. You are literally truth. And so speak to us. Give us your truth tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. And he goes on to help us understand this in verse 7. For if you had known me, you would have known my father also. Jesus and the Father are both God. To know one is to know the other. To know the other is to know the one. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, why would Jesus say such a thing when Scripture is very clear that no man can see God and live? Because Jesus was never anything less than God. When he said in The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He meant it. Jesus is the incarnate word. He's fully God. And so to see him would have been to see God. People don't like that. I want to be able to see Buddha. I I want to be able to see uh, God in a rainbow. I believe God is in the trees. Romans chapter 1 says something quite unique and astounding. For they worshipped, that being unbelievers, the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. There's a lot of people worshipping the dirt that we walk on. There's a lot of people worshipping trees and dolphins and whales And they are the same ones who find it okay to kill a baby simply because it resides in its mother's womb. There is one God in three persons. 
Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, in the form of a rhetorical question, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? Remember, he just said that if you'd seen him, you'd seen Father God. Really? Have you walked with me? Do you remember the 5,000? Do you remember the man at the pool of Bethsaida? Were you not watching when I raised the widow's son at Nain? Don't you remember what happened to Lazarus? that strike you as something that not just anybody could do, Philip? For he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Incredible exclusivity. Jesus stating that he was the only way and the only truth, the only life. You see, Jesus is the way to the Father. He is also the truth incarnate, and he is that life which we now live for those who trust in him. You know, I've had an awful lot of conversations. I taught cults and world religions for a number of years. And you have an awful lot of people that say, well, you know, Allah and Yahweh are the same guy. Not hardly. Because if you travel to Israel and you specifically travel to the Temple Mount and you specifically go to the Dome of the Rock Mosque, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, both. The Harim al-Sharif. And you read the Arabic inscription around the top of that mosque, it says something rather unique. It says that Muhammad is the prophet. And it also says that God has no son. So if the God that we believe in declares that he has one son and that only begotten son did he send into the world that the world through him might be saved, there is a massive conflict of truth there, isn't there? You see, Allah and Yahweh cannot be the same guy. Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father also. You know, when we bring children into this world, we bring them into the world with a sin nature. Much of what we said this morning applies to the passage tonight. You see, we are all dead without Jesus. We're not partially alive. We're completely dead without Christ. And there's only one answer to that deadness. That's why Jesus said he is the way. He didn't say one of many. The implication is here in the original language that Jesus was saying, look, Philip, disciples, when you think of me, think of me in an exclusive way. Don't think of me as one of many. Think of me as one of one, a singular individual who is unique in all of the universe. And so when he says that, he is excluding every other way. 
every other way. Very often as you engage people who perhaps are, maybe they happen to believe in the Mormon version of Jesus. The Mormon version of Jesus is this. Jesus was one of God's sons, plural. God had many of them, and he set them out on a quest, in essence, to come up with a plan to redeem mankind. And one of God's other sons, Lucifer, and Jesus each had their own plan. And God liked Jesus' plan better. That's not very exclusive, is it? There is no other testament of Jesus Christ. He already gave us the one testament that we need to be saved. And Jesus himself said, I am the way. He also said that he was exclusively that way. We live in a world that is so devoid of absolutes, it's almost pathetic. It's like the moment you say, thus says the Lord, you put yourself in a line of rifle targets. People begin to shoot at you. They call you intolerant. They call you bigoted. They say, well, what are you trying to say? That those who believe in the Mormon version of Jesus aren't saved? That's exactly what Jesus said. That is exactly what he said. And you can either choose to believe him or not. As hard as that is for us to wrap our minds around at times, there aren't multiple ways to get there, folks. And we need to stop telling people that there are. And let me explain something to you. We don't just do that with our words. We do that with our life. When people attack your Jesus, does it bother you? When people come against your Christ, Does it upset you? Or do they get a free pass? You see, sometimes we lose that holy boldness. And we need to regain that holy boldness that comes from exclusivity. Now here's the good news. Jesus didn't say, it's hard to find me. In fact, he said, if you seek me, you will find me. If you're looking for him, if you're looking for someone to agree with your way that isn't him, you're going to have a tough time finding him. It's the only way that takes us to the Father. He is the one that fulfills our greatest need. You see, Proverbs 14, Solomon was very correct there in verse 12. There is a way which seems right to man, but the end of that way is death. There's all kinds of religious belief all over the world. Some of my closest friends growing up, all devout, staunch, secular, humanist evolutionists, they believed in the God of chance. 
They believe that we evolved from goo to you. They believe that monkey led to man. What they really believed is there is no God. That this is all just an endless chain of happenstance. They don't believe that there is anything such as sin. And they surely don't believe that it leads to eternal death. But that basically is the lie that was told in the garden, wasn't it? Do you remember Satan's little talk there with Adam and Eve? Specifically with Eve? Yeah, sure, there's a tree and God told you not to eat of it. But you won't surely die. There's no penalty for your sin. There's no just God who's going to do anything about what you do with that silly tree. Apples don't matter. Don't worry about it. All truth is relative. You can almost hear him teaching in a college today, can't you? Oh, there's no such thing as truth. I mean, those crazy Christians who believe the Bible and they believe that Jesus Christ is literally God. I mean, come on. Has God surely said? Read it for yourself. Read the third chapter of Genesis and see if you don't see the same lie that's going around our world today. No, God didn't say that you can't live like that and actually profess his name. It's okay to be a drunk. It's okay to live an immoral life. It's okay to steal from people. I mean, after all, they have more than you do. Shouldn't everybody have some? You see, we live in that day and time where moral relativism is tied directly with truth. And so truth goes out the window. He says, first I am the way. I won't die. There's no such thing as death. We'll just all eventually become part of the cosmic oneness. You'll just get absorbed into the great beyond. Mother Earth will take you back. Jesus said, I'm the only way. If he said, I'm the only way, he must have meant a way to somewhere. Amen? Do you remember what he said? He said, look, I'm going away and I'm going to prepare a house for you, a mansion for you, a dwelling place, an abiding place for you. And he wasn't talking in the ethereal. He was not speaking of something that was theoretical. He wasn't making up a metaphor. He was talking of a literal heaven that one day you will be able to dwell in with your Savior. Amen? So if he said that, and then he said, look, I'm the only way to get there. You either have to think one of two things. Either he was lying, or it was the truth. That's not a risk I think I want to take. You see, our sin problem is what's keeping us from being able to be there without him. I've had many people tell me, well, you know, I've never sinned. And I usually look at them and say, yes, you have. You just did. You just lied. (laughs) 
sin is a funny word. The actual original word that's translated into English, most commonly sin, is actually an old English archery term, and it simply means to miss the bullseye. But the implication is this. You're actually trying to hit the bullseye. That you understand there's a target to hit. And that you weren't really good in your execution, and so you missed. By even believing that there's such a thing as right and wrong, it admits that there must be something to hit. How many of us have missed the mark? All of us. You see, there's no excuse. There's no cop-out for any of us. I've had people tell me, well, I just don't believe in heaven. I just don't believe in hell. And I will usually say something like, you've never seen a supernova either. You've never wandered to a faraway galaxy. You have no idea. You're taking the word of an astrophysicist, an astronomer. You're looking at a picture and you're saying, yep, that's what it is. You haven't been there. You haven't experienced it. And you never will. And yet you believe. So the question becomes, not that you have a problem with faith, but do you believe? You see, Christ said he died for us. Christ said that he came so that we might have life. And so what he was really saying is, look, I'm not only the only way, I'm the perfect way. I'm the perfect way to God the Father. I, I want to put you in the perfect position. I want to provide the perfect reconciliation. I'm perfect at all of these things. Now you can mess around with the rest of it if you wish. But he claimed to be exclusive. He basically spans the infinite distance between God and sinful mankind. Think about it for a second. How, how far off do you have to be to miss? One sin. You, you, you get in line, you're lining up. Let's just say that all of us got called home tonight and we're in the line and you're talking with somebody else before you get there and you say something you shouldn't say. Whoops. If his blood doesn't cover all of our sins, if he's not the only way, we're all in trouble. 1987 in, in Zabruga, Belgium, there was a ferry disaster. They used a lot of ferries in Europe and up in Vancouver, those types of places where you have to cross, you know, some span of the ocean but not continent to continent. There was a passenger ferry that turned over. There was a banker on that passenger ferry named Andrew Parker. Andrew Parker was a fairly tall man, about six foot three, and when the ferry went over, there was a spot between where the people that were trapped were standing and the only place that you could actually still get down and off of the ship without jumping into what was the, the wreck of the, of the interior of the ship. There was just no other way. And for about 25 minutes, Andrew Parker put his feet on one side and his arms across the other side and allowed people to crawl across his back. And in bridging that gap, he saved 20 people's lives. That's what Jesus did with the cross. He bridged a gap that we couldn't cross. He put his life in our place. 
and said, I'll span this chasm. You can't get over there by yourself. I'll do it for you, and you can go there by me the way. Jesus also said he's the truth. And he didn't say he was one of many truths. Man, do we live in a confused world, amen? It's crazy what people believe. I happen to be a, a fan of science. I enjoy science. I've studied significantly. Wanted to be a doctor, and so I'm fairly familiar with the basic sciences that we cling to as a people. And, and it shocks me, it amazes me at how many people believe that our universe came about by a seed of some small blob of matter that you could not see, that that blob of matter, the seed of the cosmos, if you will, was smaller than an atom, and that atom somehow instantaneously called a singularity compressed, and as it compressed, it then exploded, and when it exploded, it birthed forth the entire universe. That is the basis of the Big Bang. And people believe that sight unseen. That basically an invisible particle, singular, of mass that contained all of the supposed dark matter and dark energy in the entire cosmos was in one spot. And that gigantic explosion, which the evidence of it still exists to this day as the universe as we know it continues to expand, that they believe that truth. Now, if you want to talk faith, stick a firecracker in an aluminum can and see if it produces anything very ordered. We know where the firecracker came from. We know, we know who made the can. And yet people believe that we came from nothing. That somehow... We, we were floating around in the universe for billions of years. That humankind and the things that construct your body, think about when Jesus said, I'm the truth. You realize what he's saying. There are no competing truths. He's either truth or he's not true. So we can't have come from nothing if Jesus said he's the way we got here. Because he's God your Bible declares that he's the creator. That we didn't get here by random chance processes over billions of years. We got here because a loving God created us for fellowship and for his glory. And yet people believe that somehow those hundreds of thousands of amino acids and proteins that make up all the cellular structure of your entire body floated around someplace in a cosmic pool of goo it was made of largely ammonia and methane with some hydrogen thrown in and a couple of chemicals, one of which you know fairly well, formaldehyde, which would have been the most common chemical component. And that that happened over billions of years that somehow there's a lung. And then the lung hung around for a while and bink, there's a heart. And then a circulatory system somehow came about. And that they started to talk to each other. And they said, well, let's go over to this part of the universe. 
And I'm exaggerating for, for a sense of, of import here. None of us believe that. Not one person in this room believes that. But in essence, if you believe in chemical evolution, which is the only explanation that you have if you're an evolutionist, how we got here, then you believe that goo turned into you. In fact, you came from a blue-green algae is the, is the basic theory for all of life. Billions and billions of years. Jesus said, I am the truth. I created you. I made you out of the dust of the earth. We have a very confused world. We believe things that are monumentally difficult to even imagine, much less put our faith in, and yet we believe them sight unseen because somebody with a whole bunch of letters after the end of their name says, that, well, that's what I think. Jesus said, this is who I am. I am truth. And it should humble us. It should cause us to lean on him. Notice what it says in John 14, 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on to know him, you've seen him. If you know me. Jesus is truth. Christ was more than a manifestation of God. He was God in human flesh. He was truth incarnate. He was there at the creation. People sometimes look at me and they go, you mean you really believe that Jesus was there at the creation of the universe? Yes, I do. He said, how can you believe it? I said, how can you believe that something came from nothing, exploded, and got very ordered? Think about it. Which way makes more sense to you? It doesn't make any sense to me that chemicals order themselves because it never happens anywhere in our physical world. Chemicals don't line up and sit in line and go, well, let's, let's keep a few of these around and a few more of those around. And all of a sudden, we'll get them to communicate to each other, and we'll store information, we'll store energy, and somehow we'll make something. They don't do that. They sit there and look at you. He's truth. You matter to God. Everyone matters to God. Do you believe not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, verse 10 says... The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father's in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Do you understand what Jesus is saying there in the 11th verse of this chapter? He says, you should be able to see the works of the universe. The heavens declare his handiwork. Amen? The creation itself declares who God is. And when we look around, we're supposed to see the Lord. We're supposed to see that truth. Doesn't mean, by the way, that science isn't valuable. It's very valuable. There's a lot of very, very brilliant people who've endeavored their entire life to make sense of many of the things that we have in our world. But at the end of the day, if that making sense of those things kicks out Jesus as the only way of salvation, the only truth, we are in desperate trouble. And he finishes by saying that Jesus is the life. And so he's the way. He's the only way to God. He is the embodiment, the fullness of truth. Everything about him was always true. Spiritual truth, actual truth, moral truth. 
truth about the world that we live in, truth about your life. And Jesus is the life. You see what happens when you come to terms with the first two, that he's the way and he's truth. Then you have the life to deal with. How do you want to live your life tonight? How do you want to live your life tonight? Because there's a lot of people living for some pretty strange things. Amen? You click on the TV and you watch, you know, the world's largest yachts or... Well, there's some people living for some pretty pathetic reasons. Because if it's about the accumulation of stuff, you'll never have enough stuff. If it's about fame... When you, when you look at people that have been in, engaged in Hollywood and acting, isn't it kind of shocking to look at them in their older age? You remember what they looked like when they were stars, like we were talking about this morning, Robert Redford. You know, in the 1970s, he was, he was, a, he was the guy. It's like, wow, a handsome guy. He's had so many facelifts, his nose is on the top of his head. And yet we idolize people like that. That's not life. That's a temporary existence while you're on this planet. Maybe if God doesn't like you, you live to be a hundred. I'm just kidding, of course. There's nothing that wonderful about this place. There's some great things that we get to do while we're here. But that's not life. And there's a whole eternity after this one. That's the one you ought to be worried about. Amen? John 10.10 says a thief comes to steal and destroy and kill. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that life more abundant. He's talking about an ever abundant life. Not just one for today, but for tomorrow and next week and next year and for all eternity. And so when he says, I'm the only way to get there, he meant what he said. That spiritual deadness that we have, that less than lifefulness that we have. You know, we can hear the word of the Lord and do nothing with it. But we also have no life if we do that. So Jesus is that way. He is that truth. He is that life. And family of God, I want to really strongly encourage you. When you share the Lord with people, give them the whole story. Tell them the truth. Don't don't let them believe that there's some other way. When when they tell you, well, you know, I've been been going here and I hang out, I go to this, you know, this truth seminar twice a month and they teach me about being a good person. Don't just look at them and go, well, that's nice. It is nice, but it can't save them. It may even make them a temporarily good person. But it can't save them. There's only one truth that does that. And so Jesus very exclusively reminds us of some basic principles here. When you see Christ, you see God. When we see him manifested in our lives, he he is our only way to him. And he is our only truth. When you grapple in your heart, when you think on things that are tough to, 
to really dwell on. When you have patient meditation on the things of God, at the end of the day, you're going to come back to a place where you have, you're forced to make a decision. I remember as a, as a young person, being forced to make a decision in my own heart, my own mind. Was this Jesus guy the real deal? Or, or was he some figment of some preacher's imagination? And so I began to study. I began to look. I began to go on my own little quest. You know, is this true? And I came to the very real conclusion that my faith in Christ was absolutely as reasonable as anything else that I had ever believed in my entire life. More evidence for it than anything else that I believe to this day. I would also remind you that simply knowing about truths or knowing the truths themselves without having the understanding that those truths are meant to be used in your life does none of us any good. You can actually know the way, you can know the truth, and not have the life unless you have believed the way and believed the truth. You have to believe on his name to be saved. We can't be content with surface knowledge. So many people have surface knowledge of Jesus. It's hardly anybody on this earth that doesn't know at least a little bit about Jesus. Amen? Right? That doesn't save you. What saves you is believing in his name, believing by faith that he is exactly who he said he was. That he's the only way, the only truth, the only life, and you can't get to the Father but through him. All of the hope of heaven, the hope of God, if it's outside of Jesus, it's truly hopeless. When he said, except through me, that's what he meant. probably many of you have friends that you've not ever shared that truth with. We're going to spend some time, worship team's going to come back up and we're going to spend some time in worship. But probably many of us, and looking around the room, there's a whole lot of us that I know know the Lord in this building. But how many of us need some holy boldness to share our faith in these last days? How many of us need to be empowered to tell people this very exclusive truth? And I would say that's a vast majority of us at times. And so I want you to consider and pray. And as we spend a little bit of time in worship, we're going to have the prayer team come back up. And if you've been struggling with sharing the truth of who Jesus really is with people, maybe your family, maybe those you work with, Maybe somebody you met in a store, somebody, who knows where it is. Or, or maybe uh, it, it's just you've been struggling, period. Then I would ask that you come up and get prayed for and ask God to give you some holy boldness. Because time's short. Jesus is coming. And I believe he's coming soon. And I know I don't want to miss him. So I'm putting my hope and my trust in the only way. And I'm putting my trust in the only truth. And I'm putting my life in the hands of the only life. And so as we pray, and as you think, and as we worship, make sure 
that you're sharing the right Jesus with people. The one who said there is no other way to God except but him. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we want to take time now to just put ourselves in your hands. And Lord, we're so grateful that there really is only one truth when it comes to salvation. And it's you, Jesus. And, and Father, I, I want to pray right now for anyone in this room that maybe has never known you. Lord, perhaps they came in wondering what this crazy thing called church really is. And they're seeking you right now. And your word declares if we seek you with the whole heart, we'll find you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be speaking to them right now, that God, as the pastors, the elders are here at the front, that they would just simply come and invite you, Jesus, into their life. Lord, your word declares very plainly that tomorrow is promised to no man. It declares very plainly, very plainly, that there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end of it is death. And Lord Jesus, you declared very plainly that you are the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but through you. And so Lord, we who are here tonight who have professed you believe this truth. Would you give us boldness? Lord, help us to speak that truth to those who we come in contact with. God, may that be on our lips at all times. Will we be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us? We love you. Lord, we put our trust in you, our hope in you, our faith in you. It's in your blessed name, Jesus, that we pray these things. And all God's people said, Amen.